Well, hello, everybody. Good to be with you. Some of you I know, some I don't, but uh, welcome. Glad to have you here this evening. And uh, just before I get started, I do want to kind of do a little bit of a commercial, if I could. We have a class here at the church that we call Grasping God's Word. It's a class that I teach with uh, a woman from our church, Kim Jetter. And it's really all about how to read and understand and live out God's truth. So if that's something that you kind of would like to get a handle on, and maybe something you're like, I, I don't know if I've done, if I really know how to approach God's Word, and it's a great class to kind of learn that. So that's starting January 12th. It's on Thursday nights from 6.30 to 8.30 over in the other building. And all the information about it is on the Hub, the uh, website for the church. And then if you go on the Hub, you'll find a card about it, and you can read about it and join us. I was trying to think if anybody here has been in that class before. I know Jack downstairs has some of those down. I know there's another level. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, you took it, didn't you? Yeah. Do you want to make any comments? Great. Okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the right comment, right? Yeah. That's good stuff. No, I really enjoy doing it, and uh, it's a joy to just to help people. Sometimes the Bible can be intimidating, and... Um, just to help you be able to approach it with some confidence and, and feel like, okay, God's got a message for me, for us, and, and let's uh, discover what that is, which is a little bit of what we're going to be doing tonight. So what I'm going to talk about tonight doesn't really tie into the Christmas story. I was thinking about, should I do that? I'm not sure if that's your expectation, Rachel, that I was going to tie into the Christmas story tonight, but we do have Christmas Eve services here. If you don't have a church that you attend and you'd like to go to a Christmas Eve service, you're welcome to join us at 1.30, 3 or 4.30 over in the sanctuary, so we'll certainly obviously be talking about the Christmas story there. But we're going to talk about the book of Third John. If you have a way to look at the Bible, I'd really encourage you to, to do that. It would be helpful if you could be reading it as we read it together and make some observations and kind of just look at some things that God wants to say to us. And the series that you've been doing on these letters that the Apostle John has, has written to us most likely the author of these letters is John the Apostle, the one that Jesus loved, very close friend of Jesus. Probably at this point in his life, he's older. He's in the city of Ephesus where he's writing these letters to churches in Asia Minor, an area where there was a number of churches that had been planted. And he's overseeing some degree these churches. And so he's kind of writing to give some encouragement and some challenge, uh, probably between like 85, 95 AD. So since Jesus went to heaven, it's about 50 years, 60 years since then. So the church is still relatively new, so to speak. And uh, he's got some situations that he's going to address. And I think that's, to me, it's really interesting. This is a book, Third John is like, okay, maybe you've never even read it because it's short. It's, you know, maybe you read some of the other ones. But when you come to this book, it's one of the things that's intriguing about it is it's addressing a real life situation within the church that has to be addressed. And so we kind of get like this glimpse of what the early church looked like and how things were resolved and how things were dealt with. And I think there can be some things that can uh, definitely help us even in the things that we face today, some things that we certainly uh, have commonality with. So just in review a little bit of what you've already covered, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, all of them deal with the importance of truth. And in an age in which we live, in any age, truth is important. And ultimately, you're going to have to decide what you believe to be is true or not true. But I would just say that whatever you believe to be is true is going to set the course for your life. So whatever you choose to say, I believe this is true, is going to impact the decisions that you make, the actions that you take, the path in life that you're going to go down. And so it's really important to be able to evaluate and say, okay, 
what do I believe is true and what, what reason do I have to believe that it's true? And so as we approach the scriptures tonight, we approach it with, uh, I approach it with a confidence believing that this is God's word to us. So the God of the universe has given us his revelation. So I trust it because I trust him. And so that's why I can have confidence as we approach, as approach this. In 2 John, uh, if you, again, probably heard this last week, but five times in the first four verses, he talks about the importance of truth, the word truth is used. So this is really important to John. He's, he's living in a day where truth is being challenged, just like today. You hear all kinds of messages, what's true, what's not true. And uh, John's trying to help them understand you got to stick with the truth. And in 2 John, kind of one of his messages was, don't partner with false teachers, those who are not teaching the truth. Because that don't assist them in what they're doing. They're causing confusion. They're deceiving people. They're not helping in what they're doing. And these false teachers would often travel around to these churches and they would look for you know, money for their teaching or at least hospitality. And John's saying, be careful. Don't really have anything to do with them. Don't partner with them in what they're doing because it's harmful. Well, in 3 John, we kind of see the opposite. And what he's going to say in 3 John is, do partner with true followers of Jesus who are traveling around and are spreading the truth. In fact, I want you to offer hospitality and support to them. And that's what he's going to be pointing out specifically in this letter. So we're going to read it. I'm going to read it through. If you have, you can read it along um, in your Bible as you have it. It would be great to kind of get a sense of this letter. And I want you to notice there's four main characters in this letter. So just as we read, see if you can pick them up and see if you can pick up a little bit about each of those four main characters, because that's what we're going to focus on. So 3 John starts, The elder to my friend, dear friend, Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you, should, how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not, not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true or reliable. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings, and greet the friends there by name. So, relatively short letter, personal. Obviously, the author knows the people that he's writing to and about. So who are some of the characters that you picked up in, in what we mentioned? You can call out one if you picked up on it. Don't worry about saying it correctly. It's okay. Gaius. Okay. 
So you've got right in the beginning, my dear friend Gaius or Gaius. What do you recognize about him? What do we what do we learn a little bit about him in this letter? What are some things maybe you picked up on? What's the relationship between him and the author? He's a dear friend. Okay, so there's a closeness between, and that's one of the other main characters, is John, who's writing this letter. So Gaius is a dear friend of his, and he says right in the beginning, whom I love in the truth. There's this relationship, and this relationship is based on the commonality that they share, that they both embrace the truth. And the truth here is really the truth of what we call the gospel, the good news, right? The good news is simply that Jesus came to die for our sins on the cross, to make a way for us to experience a relationship with God, to have our sins forgiven. And he rose again on the third day to prove his, his victory and his power over sin and death. And that's a life-changing message. Like that's, that's as valid today and as life-changing today as it was back then. And so that's, that's kind of the core of the truth that he's talking about. What else do you maybe pick up about this, uh, this guy? Okay. So he's likely a, a leader in the church, right? In this house church, probably a house church. So probably somewhat smaller than maybe what we would experience here. But um, that's kind of what they often were in a city. There might be multiple house churches. There might only be one, depending on how much it's developed. So here he's likely some form of a leader. He has some form of authority over a group of, of followers of Jesus. And what is he known for? Like when, when John thinks of this guy, what, what comes to his mind? Faithfulness. Okay, he's faithful. And what is he faithful to? Here's the word again, right? He's faithful to the truth. So he knows it and he stays with it. He doesn't deviate from it. He doesn't go off on his own. He doesn't make up his own truth. He sticks to the truth that's been revealed to him, and that's what he builds his life upon. So that's hugely important. And what else is he known for? Look down in uh, verse 6. So John gets this report from people who have come back to him, and what did they tell about? Okay, good. So they've told the church about your love. So two things we know, among other things, about this guy. He's a dear for all three. He's a dear friend of John, so John thinks well of him. And part of that is because they have this bond in the truth. They're both devoted to the truth. And he also commends uh, this man because of his love. So he expresses the truth through love. So truth and love are, are put together here. They're not exclusive of each other. It's not if you're truthful that means you're non-loving, or if you're really loving, it doesn't it means you don't follow the truth. No, they're, they're put together here. So we can be followers of the truth, and we're called to be in that, to be loving to other people. And he certainly seems to be living that out. All right, somebody else. What other, what other character do you see in this letter? Geotrophies, verse 9. Dio, we'll call him Dio. <laughs> right? So what do we learn about him? Okay, that's a, it's quite a description, isn't it? Can you imagine if somebody was writing a letter and you got mentioned in the letter and the first thing that was said about you was, this person loves to be first. I mean, it's not exactly flattering, right? So think of the things that would come to your mind when you think about somebody who loves to be first. What is that person like? What do they do? What are the, well, how do you know that? What would characterize them? 
So what are what are some of the things we learn about him specifically? Okay, so John has already said, I want you to do something, and he's basically said no, <laughs> right? So it doesn't fit his agenda. He likes to be first. John's recommending that he do something that doesn't fit his agenda, so he's like, nope, I ain't doing it. And we even notice from this, he, ha- he must have some authority, right? Like he's, he's, so as much as Gaius may be a leader in a house church, it would appear that Diotrephes is also a leader in a house church. But you kind of have this contrast between them. One is faithful to the truth and loves well. And this other guy loves to be first and is not very welcoming to other people, right? We see that here. So notice some of the things that are, that are said about him. First of all, he's spreading malicious nonsense about us, John says. So he's even saying things that aren't even true about us to make us look bad. Well, think about somebody who wants to be first. They'll talk down about other people because they want to make themselves look good, right? Maybe you've experienced that before. But he goes further than that, John says. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. So this was common in that day that people would travel and go to these different churches, and they wouldn't stay in the inns of that day usually because the inns were... Uh, not safe often, and they were often also honestly used as brothels. So these followers of Jesus who would travel didn't really want to stay there because of what was associated with it. And so other believers in the city would put them up, would invite them into their home and let them stay with them. It was safe. They had a common bond through their faith. And so that's what John is encouraging them to do. And this guy's saying, no, don't, you know, we're not going to accept anybody. Nobody's going to be able to come. And so not only does he say he's not going to welcome them, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He goes the next step. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. So there's like this progression. I'm not going to welcome you. I'm going to tell the people in my house church not to welcome you. And if they do welcome you, I'm kicking them out. Is this a church leader you'd like to be under? <laughs> no, I mean, th- think about that. This is the early church, right? We look today and we look at some, some things in the church, and there are things in churches that aren't good, that aren't healthy. We see leaders who oftentimes, unfortunately, not all, not even maybe a lot, but there's some well-known ones who things have come out that they certainly have seemed to look out for their own interest and cause much problems within their churches, right? We see that today. This is not new. This was happening within 50 years of the church being born. Why? Because people are people. And if people want to do what's best for them and look for themselves first, this is the kind of behavior that you're going to see. And this is exactly what John's calling them out for. All right, one more uh, main character besides John, uh, Gaius, Diotrephes. Who else do we got? Who's that? Yes, Demetrius, verse 12. Right, so he goes into verse 11 and says, Look, Gaius, don't imitate what's evil. And he kind of just gave an example of what that looks like with Diotrephes. So don't imitate that. Don't be like him. You, in leading your church, I want you to go in a different direction. I want you to help people go in a way that's faithful according to the truth and that is loving. So imitate anyone who does what is, he wants them to do, I'm sorry, not imitate what is evil, but do what is good, verse 11. So in verse 12, now he gives an example of someone who is doing what's good. And he says, Demetrius is, what, what do we know of him? What's his reputation like? Okay. All right, so people who know this guy generally speak well of him, right? 
So in being around this person, you kind of you kind of get to be around somebody who you'd be like that's that's a cool person. That's somebody I would like to be like. That's somebody I would might want to imitate, or is imitating others who are followers of Jesus. So he's well spoken of by everyone, even by the truth itself, which the idea is means his life lines up with the truth. So when you look at the truth and you look at his life, the truth validates what he's doing and who he is. He's, there's congruence there. There's something that fits and goes together. And then he says, we also speak well of him. So I'm also putting my reputation in on his behalf, saying, I'm, I'm recommending this guy. And so you know our test. You can trust us. So trust that we tell you that this guy's on the up and up. You can, you can welcome him. So most likely, Demetrius is one of these travelers who's going around, perhaps even bringing this letter to them. And he's saying, look, welcome this guy. He's one of us. And so you have Diotrephes saying, no, we won't have him. We don't want him. And he's encouraging Gaius to say, yes, welcome him. Have him come in. So you kind of have this contrast between these two leaders, Gaius and Diotrephes, one good, one certainly doesn't seem to be going in the right direction. This traveler, Demetrius, who's got a good reputation, and, and, and John's kind of saying, look, I stand for this guy. And then you've got John who writes the letter himself. And what do we learn a little bit about John and his relationship to these people? There's some words that he uses that help us kind of understand how he relates to this, this, these groups that he's writing to. Notice in verse 4, what does he say there? I have no greater joy than to hear that my what are walking in the truth. Children. So when we hear that word, we think of physical children, right? But if you look at this context, he's probably not the physical dad of all these people. So what is he talking about? He might have led them to the Lord. Okay. So in a spiritual sense, like a spiritual dad to them, whether or not he actually led them to the Lord, he certainly invested in them and sought to help them grow in their spiritual journey. Do you know people like that, that you can look to who have helped you in your spiritual journey? who maybe have been someone who's encouraged you in your path that you could look up to and say, hey, this has been like a spiritual dad or a spiritual mom to me. Maybe they're not your physical mom or dad, but there's somebody who has invested in you and you can be like, wow, I'm better because of this person being in my life. And that's kind of what John was. Uh, and he loved them. He cared about them. And he's like, man, you want to make me happy? Walk according to the truth. Live out the truth. And man, that brings me joy. So it says something about John too. And I, I ask the question, what makes you happy? Would it make you happy to know that you in some way are influencing someone else in a positive direction to follow Jesus? I don't think uh, Diotrephes would care much about that because he had the me first attitude. What, he, what made him happy is whatever was good for him. But when we follow Jesus, what should make us happy is how we can invest in others for their good, to whether it be through hospitality, as, as talked about in this letter, or a number of different ways that we can be involved. So you'll notice uh, the word truth occurs all through this letter, all, all through his letters. It's a big theme that John puts out there. But even as we get this glimpse into what's going on, John, who's in one city, is writing a letter who's probably carried by Demetrius to these other house churches. He's already gotten word that one of these leaders is a stand-up guy. He's already gotten word that another one is not acting like a stand-up guy. He's calling him out. He's dealing with the situations that are at hand. And you know what this tells me? Church is messy. Mm -hmm. Like church isn't even, sometimes we idolize the early church. Like, oh, it was, must have been amazing to be back then in the early church. I'm sure in many ways it was. But this is the stuff you're dealing with when you're back there. And it's not so different from some of the same things that we can be dealing with today, right? 
You have people who are, look, I want to follow Jesus. I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I want to stay faithful to the truth, and I want to love people well. And then you have others who are like, they have the title. They, this guy's even a, an authority, a leader of a church, perhaps, a house church, and yet he loves to be first. It's all about him. It's all about his position, his, his make, him making himself look good and keeping everybody else at arm's distance. And he doesn't want to be a part of offering hospitality to those that are traveling around. So these are some of the points that come out of this letter. And, and again, just this glimpse into the early church and what it looked like. So what I'm going to challenge you guys to do is I want you to wrestle a little bit with some of the themes that were coming out and relate them to where you are now. And this is about what you're going to talk about in your groups and give you a good bit of time to be able to do that. And so what I've done is I've made up a sheet and I'll give the, I have enough for everybody to take. And on one side is actually the, the passage of 3 John that you can refer to and some notes on the characters at the bottom. And on the back side, you're going to find a list of verses there. And as you go through these verses, each of these in some way are going to tie into what we talked about tonight. So the first three talk about hospitality. And I want to challenge you to think about what does hospitality look like today? How, what, as, if you're a follower of Jesus, and these verses are going to make very clear that you are then called to be hospitable to people. What does that look like for you? So if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to follow the truth and I'm going to love people, then part of that is showing hospitality. Okay, does that mean you know I have to have a home and invite people into my home? That certainly could be a part of it, and that was a part of what John was alluding to here. Are there other ways that you can show hospitality? What does that look like? What does that mean? How do you do that today? So that's something I want to encourage you guys to talk about. How have you experienced it, perhaps? How have you experienced someone showing you hospitality? Maybe some of you have traveled. Like, I've had opportunity to travel a good bit on mission trips and things. And you go to a place where you sometimes don't know people, and they're welcoming you into their home. And the only reason they're doing it is because you have, a, you know, maybe you've been sent a letter of recommendation, and you're a follower of Jesus, and they're a follower of Jesus, and so they welcome you. It's exactly what we're talking about here. You know, how, what does that look like? How, how can we practice that in a regular basis? The next passage you're going to so it's the first three passages. The next passage you're going to see just really talks about how we're called to live with the same attitude as Jesus. And it, talks, it calls us to something that is very different than one of these leaders is doing and very similar to the other. And I want you to interact with that a little bit. How is the one leader not living this out? How is the other leader living this out that you're going to be reading about in Philippians chapter 2? The next passage that is on the sheet is from Titus 1. And this passage goes through the kind of the characteristics or the qualities of a leader in a church. We're talking specifically about several leaders within the church and how they're acting. Compare that to this. What do we learn about how one's acting versus the other? Uh, are they good leaders? And I think you'll notice a number of things in there that will stand out to you and talk a little bit about what you should be looking for in your spiritual leaders. It's okay to seek to to see them have a standard. None of us are perfect. None of us get it right all the time. Leaders, good spiritual leaders, should be striving for following Jesus. That should be obvious. And should be willing to admit when they don't get it right. So it's not about getting it right all the time. It's about when you don't, being humble enough to say, you know what, I messed up. I, I didn't handle this well. I didn't do this well. Seeking forgiveness, owning up to it, and then seeking to move on and learn from it. And that's an important part. And then the last passage on this sheet is from Philippians chapter 2 as well. This goes and talks about another example. This guy's name is Epaphroditus. And it's just a paragraph about Paul writing about him and the influence that he's having and what he's doing. 
I just thought it's another good example of, okay, what do we learn from this guy, another guy in the early church, and how can we see him living out some of the things that we're seeing John talk about, and, and how can we seek to live those out as well? So this is just meant to generate conversation, kind of wrestle through it a little bit, read them, interact about them, talk about what it looks like to live those out today. And I want to leave a lot of time for you to be able to do that so that you can work through those and, and just have the time to do it. So um, that's what the letter's about. That's what it's dealing with. And um, I want to give you the opportunity to delve into that. So I don't think I took you know the time that you probably were looking for me to take, but that's okay because you can have more time in your groups to discuss it. So any just comments or like questions about what we just covered or things that stood out to you before you kind of disperse and talk about it more in depth? Just open it up. I kind of looking more for like a just I'm not going to give this big presentation as opposed to just interact with you and hear what you're thinking and what you're taking away from it. That's kind of where I'm I'm going with it, and then what you see you do that in your groups. So, all right, somebody else I think is coming up to give some announcements. I'll pray, and then you can come up and give announcements. Lord, thanks for this just glimpse into real life uh, in the early church. Uh, we read a. a chapter like this, a book like this, and, and we may walk away thinking, why did you choose to include that in the Bible? Like, there's so many books that have these big theological truths and, and are just so rich in a lot of ways, and you come to a simple letter like this, and these guys that are, you know, doing one thing, guys that are doing another thing, and kind of wrestling through what it looks like to follow you in, in their age and their time, and yet, honestly, when we look at this, we can say, boy, <laughs> we can relate to this. We can relate to this. And there's so much that they were experiencing, although different culture and different exact details of what they were going through. And it just reminds me that we're just people. We're, we're so similar in so many ways. And so help us as we unpack this a little bit more and talk about it in groups and get down to a little bit more of the nitty gritty of what does it mean for us to show hospitality? Uh, what does it mean for us to follow good examples or be good examples? What does it mean for us to, to seek to follow leaders that are following you well? How do we know? What are we looking for? I just pray that you would allow that conversation to be beneficial and helpful for those who are here tonight. So thanks for this opportunity. Thanks for this group. Thanks that you love each one of them so much. And thank you for the way